Today we are going to be looking at a New Testament passage. It won't be a gospel reading. And the New Testament passage today is coming from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. And so I invite you to follow along in your own Bible or on the screens behind me as we look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourself. Keep alert like a roaring lion. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, so how many of you have a refrigerator at your house? Pretty much all of us, I would imagine. Uh, with food in the refrigerator in your house. And you actually have this said house to put it in. Okay? So you've got food, you've got refrigerator, you've got a house, you've got clothes. Great. You're doing better than 75% of the world is right now when it comes to terms of possessions, 75% of the world. If you've got a bank account or a wallet or a piggy bank or a pocket full of loose change, you've got some type of thing holding money for you, you are now in the top 8% of the world in terms of wealth. 92% of the world does not have that ability to store money somewhere, have money just sitting around, no matter how much it is. And you may have heard this statistic before, 1% of the population has almost the same amount of money as the rest of the 99% of the world combined. 1% of the world has as much money as 99% of the world combined. And you might be one, this 1% if you make an income of $50,000 a year or more. You're the top 1% of the world of 7 billion plus people. $10 a day is the norm of what people live off of in this world. $10 a day. And more than a third of the people on this earth live off $2 a day. So if you get a $2 cup of coffee, you're doing way better than the rest of the world because they live off $2, or a third of the world, $2 a day. If you woke up this morning and you felt a little sick, had an illness, needed to go to the doctor, go find a pharmacy, you're doing better than one million people who do not have that access like we do. Americans spend about $465 billion for every Christmas, which is more than most of the world country's GDPs. If you experience, never experience the danger of battle, the agony of torture while being imprisoned, the pangs of starvation, you're doing better than 500 million people who are alive today and suffering under those same conditions. And if you can read these worship slides on the screen then you're more fortunate than 3 billion people in the world who cannot read at all. So upon hearing those statistics of where you are right now, you should be thinking, okay, I'm doing all right as compared to the rest of the world. I'm doing all right. My life's not perfect. I got things I'm worried about, which we'll talk about in a minute. And so when you survey folks in our country, a 2023 spring Gallup poll, it said, what do you worry about the most? What do you worry about the most? Well, 59% of it said that they worry about the economy, okay, inflation. Even though most of us in this country are the top 1% in the world when it comes to wealth, we still worry about 
money, the economy was number one. A slightly smaller majority worry about homelessness. 52% worry about access to health care. 49% about government spending. And so you can see that a lot of things that we worry about, we tend to have the most access to than anybody else in the rest of the world. But when you look at all that we have and compare us to the rest of the world and what we worry about, you know what didn't make the list of things that people tend to worry about? Didn't make the top five. Was their faith? Was church? Didn't make the list. Apparently they weren't too concerned about all that. It was more about the economy and health care. But church didn't make it. You know, and probably because we're used to where we are, we have the protected right through the Bill of Rights to go and worship how we choose. We can go to church if we want to, and we can pick the church we want to go to. The government or the establishments will not prevent you from doing that. I don't think any of us had any external pressures from the government or establishments on whether or not you got to sit here or not this morning. The main pressures that we feel about church and our faith is not necessarily external for where we live. It's more internal. It's more of, gosh, I've had a really, really busy weekend. I would just love just to maybe, let's sleep in today. Or, you know, I've really got this list of things I've got to do. And losing my Sunday morning, especially if it's really nice outside, I'll wait. I'll go next week. I'll just take care of the yard. A lot of our pressures about church and faith aren't coming from the government, aren't coming from outside establishments and institutions. It's more on us, whether we take that effort and go to church or go and serve and do this and that. It's more internal. But is that the case for many of our other brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world? Do many of our brothers and sisters have no pressure from their governments and go to church freely like they like, want to, like we do? No, it's not quite like how we have it here. We are truly blessed where we have this ability to wake up on Sunday mornings and go to church if we really wanted to go to church and not worry about being persecuted by our government or establishments. But that's not the case today and many people throughout the world. To learn a little bit about this, there is a uh, website called The Voice of Martyrs. It's persecution.com. You go there and you can read stories about our brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts in the world and the struggles that they face daily to live out their faith, the same faith that we get to live out freely where we are. One story that I wanted to share with you it comes from a Chinese missionary. He's a native in China, but he's a missionary. And he is uh, witnessing to and serving North Koreans that go across the border into China to work. North Korea encourages its citizens to go work outside its borders to friendly countries like China where they make money, but then the government of North Korea makes those workers send the money back to the government, leaving very little left for the actual worker to have. And when they go and serve in these places in China and work, they're very restricted on who they can even talk to, even in within a friendly country like China. Well, there's an individual named Li Junkin, who is a missionary, Chinese missionary, Christian, who will go to these restaurants and coffee houses near the border of North Korea and China, knowing that workers will come take their breaks there. And he will work with friendly owners of cafes and coffee shops that are Christians and 
of course, being Christians, they have to keep that secret. And they will try to witness to these North Korean workers. And it is a long, slow process. But what Lee Jun-kun has done, he has uh, connected with like the shift leaders of these workers. The shift leader will have like 10 or 15 North Koreans that will report to them. But these shift leaders are not under the very close watchful eye of the North Korean government. They kind of can fly under the radar a little bit. So they pinpoint those and they find them when they're on their break and they begin just to become friends with them. And then they begin to slowly, slowly share their faith. Because North Koreans are indoctrinated from birth that there's no official religion. The government's the religion. Self-reliance is the religion. Anything taught against that is, is wrong and it can cost you your life. So these Chinese missionaries would be very careful in building this relationship. There's one individual that Mr. Lee connected to and began to witness to him. And this North Korean shift leader eventually began to listen and began to receive this information. And they became friends. It still had to be very secret, though. And Mr. Lee one time accidentally sent a Bible to the shift leader and he opened it in front of his workers and got scared. Because now these workers saw their shift leader with a Christian Bible, which was against their laws, and could have had him punished to death. So he had to play it off that he didn't know what he was getting. And he got mad at Mr. Lee for putting his life in danger. And so they had to mend that relationship. But over time, Mr. Lee got invited to his house, which is against the rules to have foreigners inside North Korean homes living overseas. And over time, he began to witness to this individual that accepted Christ, all along putting his life and both lives at risk. And then the North Korean shift leader finished his three-year duty, went back to North Korea, a brother of Christ, to hopefully witness and make more disciples. But they have to go about it a little bit differently than how you and I would. We're the same brother and sister in Christ as Mr. Lee and that unnamed North Korean worker, but yet their struggles are a little bit different than our struggles. And I think this is important for us to understand that as we look at today's passage from 1 Peter. Because 1 Peter deals with persecution. 1 Peter deals with trials and tribulations. 1 Peter is a letter that was written about 30 years after the death and crucifixion and resurrection of Christ by the Apostle Peter to Christian churches spread throughout Asia Minor. And they were facing intense persecution because of their faith, some of which we have never experienced in our own lives. And this letter, the whole five chapters of this letter, is intended to encourage them to continue to be holy, not repay evil for evil, stand firm in the grace of God, reminds them of their identity in Jesus Christ, who they are, that they are just temporary residents of this earth who are due to inherit the kingdom of God. And it says, you will experience suffering. And it helps them process that experience of suffering while all the while living as witnesses to the gospel. And so today's passage comes from towards the end of that letter. And Peter says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So a few things here. Cast your cares. Cast what gives you anxiety to him. Cast is a forceful word. 
It's not just to gently or quietly hear God, hear my problems, and walk away. It is with both hands that you have and forcefully throw it at him. He wants it. Cast it. Don't just say, oh, by the way, here, take it if you want it. Take it off of you and throw it at God. Cast your anxieties. Cast what is bothering you on him. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we may not have all of the same worries as the rest of the world. And I didn't lift that up to minimize your personal anxieties and what bothers you on the day in, day out. Because there are some things that are very real to each and every one of us that we deal with. It's real. It may not be a big deal to our neighbor, but it's a big deal to us. And so we have to acknowledge that as well, that we have our brothers and sisters who are sitting amongst us in this room that have some real deep worries and anxieties at this moment. It may not be where their next meal is going to come from, but it could be something totally different. And the Lord, our God, tells us to throw those worries and anxieties at him. Give it to him forcefully. Now why? There's a good reason why. It's because he cares for you. It's because he loves you. You know, I've got a lot of worries and anxieties that I would not be facing if I wasn't a Methodist pastor in the moment. And they're unique to me. So every day I wake up and I have to throw them back at him. Give them back to him. Because he cares for me. Your same worries and anxieties or whatever is bothering you, he wants them because he cares for you. It's not a a transactional thing. Well, if I read my Bible every day, then I'm allowed to cast my cares to God because he wants me to read my Bible every day. No. While reading your Bible every day is good. You don't have to read your Bible to be allowed to cast your cares. You've got permission. The prerequisite's been filled. He loves you. Give it to him. Now, it may be a daily, hourly, every minute giving it to him. But you are allowed to do that. There's nothing you have to do because he loves you. He cares for you as plain as day right here. Now, there's many, many reasons why he wants your burdens. For I lay one, he loves you. He cares for you. He wants them. He wants you to experience like true joy and the freedom that we have through Christ. If you give those burdens that you're carrying on your shoulders to him, you should feel lighter. It should give you the freedom and the ability to be the best person you're called to be. It's hard for you to, to do that when you're constantly carrying your baggage and your worries. But the minute, just like a heavy backpack, and you take it off and you lay it down, you feel freed. You feel more you. And so he wants you to be the best that you are created to be. And you can't do that if you're constantly carrying all of these anxieties and worries. There are people out there that might need you in that moment. And so it's hard for you to be there when you've got all this other stuff you're carrying. Because he loves you, you can give it to him. And he wants it. God is God and we are not. He is big enough for our worries and anxieties. We don't have to bear that burden. And as he goes on in this letter, there is something that does come up. Somebody that we have studied earlier in the year. But he comes up at the most inopportune times. And this is what Peter says about that. He says, 
Discipline yourselves and keep alert like a lion, your adversary, the, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand faith, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. So as we all know, the devil is free to walk about this earth at the moment. And the devil will do whatever he can to devour you. The devil doesn't want to just nip at you. He wants to knock you out completely. And sometimes that is poking you during the times of your stress. He'll show up at your worst moments because he wants to devour you. The other thing that the devil's really good at as well, in order to devour you, he's good at making you blind at things. And so there may be moments in your life that you think, hey, things are great. I'm good. I'm taking care of business. I'm awesome. And you take your eyes off the devil. You take your eyes off of God. And in the moments where you think things are going great, something can hit you like a ton of bricks and not know where it came from. Because the devil's goal is to devour us, is to get us to completely break away from God. But right here, Peter says, you are not alone in your suffering. You are not alone in these trials. You are connected to a larger body. That's why it's important to lift up these other stories and individuals in other parts of the world that are witnessing and making disciples. Because they are connected to us. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ, as we are to them. So they go through their own sufferings as we go through our sufferings as well, but yet we are all not alone in that. We are connected to one another. We are part of the resistance movement, the movement against the devil. And the minute the devil thinks he can separate us and isolate us and break us away from the pack is when he'll try to devour us. So never forget that you're connected to all Christians throughout the world. You're never isolated. Don't believe that lie. Because the devil is walking around waiting for that opportune time to devour. And so Peter goes on to say, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So he kind of ends it with a message of hope and a prayer. Because the idea that suffering is, is never pleasant. It's never pleasant. It is something people do not enjoy to go through. No one likes to suffer. But here you'll realize, of course, what we know is true, that Jesus defeated death on the cross, that the devil will lose in the end, that all this suffering that we face, just as Christ faced on the cross, is temporary. It will not go on for all eternity. And we have to remember that. Because as we suffer, we suffer with Christ. We are connected to Him in that moment. Because we are connected to each other, we're connected to Christ. God is always with us. Even in those low moments. Even when we feel like He is not around. He is there with us, joining us in our suffering. And that's hard to see at times. 
It's hard to see that we're connected to other Christians and we're connected to our God when we're going through something that's really, really difficult. But what this is reminding us, as Peter was reminding these Christians in Asia Minor who were being persecuted by Rome, let's just name it, they're being persecuted by their government. Rome didn't really care what you believed, but they cared what you did. They didn't care that Christians believed in the resurrection. They cared because they went out and they preached freedom to the slaves. They preached that Caesar's not God, God is God. They went out and actively spoke and lived a life that was against the structure of Rome, Rome's power structure, and they didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that Christians were going out and telling those that were on the low man on the totem pole that, hey, you're actually exalted and you are loved and you are not the slave that you are on this earth, but you're a representative of God. Rome didn't like that. They persecuted them for that, killed them for that. And so we have to understand what they were facing And they were literally suffering and paying the price of their life, their livelihood, their relationships for this belief in Christ. But they weren't alone in their suffering. And Peter was reminding them of that. He was telling them that you can make it. Our creator sent himself down in flesh and he suffered. If he can't escape it, then why should we escape it? And so Peter here is telling them, How to suffer. How to hold fast to the faith. In good times and in bad. And that our God wants those anxieties because he loves you. So he says this. Basically you can break this down into three basic tasks. One, you handle it with, with a clear head. With a clear head. Push out all that other junk the devil is telling you. And understand what is happening in the moment. And handle it with a clear head. Stay alert. Be aware that the devil is out there to devour you. But also be alert that God is there with you in these moments. And be humble. Be humble. As you navigate your suffering and others see how you navigate your suffering can also draw them closer to God as well. Jesus was humble when he handled his suffering. Many of the disciples met a very bad end, but they did it humbly to the end. And so those are things that we need to remember in this time because life is not easy. Many of you who have lived many years or have got some, as I say, you got some miles in those treads of your tires of life, realize bad things are going to happen and we just don't understand why bad things happen to good people. doesn't make sense. We know that's part of life. But we also understand that because of Christians that have gone before us, because of what we have here in scriptures, we know how to handle those moments in a way that honors God. And that there is a reason and a purpose for it. And that we can cast our cares to him because he loves us. So as we take away from this passage today, as we go about our weeks, I think this is an important message for us to take with us. For us to understand that there are people who have gone before us who have had many trials. And that is just a fact of life until the new heaven and the new earth are here. And so 
what we've gathered is, is that compared to the rest of the world, we have a huge opportunity to do something great for God's kingdom. We are truly blessed in many areas where other people and places are not. How are we using those blessings to better the world for Christ? I think that's something we always have to look at because of where we are. We need not to carry our worries and anxieties, but we are to throw them upon God. Give it to Him every minute, every day of your life. You don't have to carry it. He wants to carry it for you. You don't have to bear that burden. That you are not alone. You are connected to other Christians who are suffering and doing great things. And because God loves you, He is here with you. He is always with you. We need to be alert. We need to watch out for the moments and opportunities that the devil can use against us. And stand firm. In scripture when it says resist, you go back to the Greek, it means to stand firm. To stand firm. And though suffering, he who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will restore and support and strengthen and establish you. He'll encourage you. He'll be your source of life no matter what is happening or will happen in your life. And I don't think we, we forget that sometimes. That out of every bad situation, there could be something good that could come out of it. When you go through suffering, it's, it's almost like you're going into the fire and you're being purified. And some things in your life are being burned off. And at the end of the process, something new and shiny will come out of that. And so we need to remember that. And so may we have hope and faith through the words of Peter as he wrote to his churches. As this is written to us in this church today. That we have hope and faith in God and that he wants our burdens and he loves us so. And that he never leaves us alone. Let us pray.